0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, is there anything good on TV tonight? I, just, I, just, I was just wondering, is there anything? Like, I, I, think, I, I, think there's, I think there's a cornhole tournament on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I was thinking, uh, somebody left me a little package up here, a little envelope on my chair. And I opened it up, and it's got patriot players on it. The Bible says not to touch no unclean thing. The Bible says in Philippians, what? Remember Philippians, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence of anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That leaves the patriots out. That's why I don't dwell on them. I know, there's some Patriot fans in here going, I'm going to tell you what, there's deep intercession going on in most of Pennsylvania today. Well, anyhow, I hope you enjoy your night, I hope you have a Super Bowl party and enjoy it and all that, but um, aren't you glad our lives aren't defined by the Super Bowl, amen. I want to take a few moments, we... Um, we're doing a series this month. We're doing, trying to do some series, obviously. And I uh, got put in my heart a few months ago to do one in February on love. It's the love month, you know, Valentine's Day and all of that. And uh, the, the, the song kept going through my mind by Tina Turner. Remember the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? All right. Yes, I know. I'm a heathen. It's all right. Okay. And, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. That song, it, she plays the part of a woman who enjoys the carnal encounters with her lover, but feels no emotional attachment. She wants him to know that there's nothing more to it. As for her, it's purely physical. The relationship has nothing to do with love, which she dismisses as a sweet old-fashioned notion or a secondhand emotion. Certainly, we're not going to get into the song because we certainly wouldn't necessarily believe in that song, do we? Amen? But the question is, with our life, in our life with Christ, what does love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? And as you saw in the bumper, it has everything to do with it. Okay? Okay? Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Um, The first is Matthew chapter 22. That hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How many know if Jesus says that that was the greatest one? How many think that's pretty important? And then he said, and then Jesus went on and said, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then we remember Paul's writings. Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about love, right? And when he gets to the end of it, he says what? Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. You're based in, I look at these couple of portions of scriptures. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He says the second is like it, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says faith, hope, and love remain, but greatest of these is love. So based upon these scriptures, my answer to the question is, it has everything to do with it. All right, and I'm going to do it uh, this morning. I want to give you a message that I want to talk to you about and define, called Defined by Love. I believe that our lives are defined by love. I'll show you what I mean in a few moments. I'm going to direct your attention to an Old Testament book, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Pentateuch. Roses wrote what we call the Pentateuch. He wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is the fifth book of those five. It's basically his sermon. And if you think my sermons are long, read that one. All right? It's basically his sermon to a group of ex generation, second generation people, ex slaves that would be entering into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. They had traveled for 40 years with their parents, the people of the generation who were led out of Egypt, but they could not enter in and possess the life that God had for them on the other side of the Jordan. Listen to me. The purpose of redemption is to buy you so that you can live in a new state in a new place. Listen to me. God never redeemed you to stay old. God never redeemed you to stay in Egypt. He, never, he always redeems us to take us to something better. All right? It's amazing to me how many people want to be redeemed just to get to heaven, but it has no impact on their life now. All right? But I'll, that's another message for another day. God wanted them to possess and to thrive. God wanted them to enter the place that he redeemed them for, not to possess and survive, but rather to possess and thrive, all right? Now, this generation was getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses was giving them instruction about entering it, to possess it and to thrive within it, all right? What would he say to this generation? What would he say to them would be the key to their success, the key to them thriving? What would be the key to their possessing what God promised them? What would it be that would be that pivotal thing? Some would say, pastor, it's got to be obedience. Okay. Certainly he talks a lot about obedience. All right. Some would say faith. Well, absolutely. I mean, it takes faith to go where God's leading you. Right. Some would say holiness. Yes, he expects us to be holy. But let me talk to you for a moment about that. If I'm going to give you one word, I'm going to give you the word love. All right. Well, think about this. All right. Does, let me ask you about obedience for a moment. Is it not easier to obey when it comes from a position of love rather than law? The, the, the fuel for love, the fuel for obedience is love. Some would say faith is greater than love. That's not what Paul said. How I many I think Paul's a pretty good authority? I'm just telling you. All right. Nowhere does Paul say that faith is greater than love. He says faith, love is greater than faith. Think about this. It's easier for me to operate in faith, though, when that faith is flowing from a father that I know loves me and wants the best for me. Peter's driving down the road. He needs $15. He's going to ask his dad. And then God says, wait a minute. If you can ask your earthly father, why can't you ask me? And all of a sudden now, because he has a belief that God loves him, he's going to operate in faith and say, okay, I'm not going to ask my daddy on earth. I'm going to ask you. All right. Faith operates out of love. All right, I, 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 listen, there's lots of times I have gone to my parents in faith because I know they love me, right? Faith is fueled by love. You know, my love causes me to use my faith, okay? Why, what was it that would cause Jesus to exercise faith on the earth when he healed a leper, he healed a deaf person, he'd raise the dead? What was it that caused him to use that faith? Love. It was love, all right? So today, the question is, what does love have to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Everything. Now, let me give you this. Defined, this definition, all right, found in the book of Deuteronomy to these people who are going to go into this this promised land, okay? First of all, I want to start with this. They would be defined, Moses is preaching, he speaks to them about loving God or God loving them 29 times in this book, and one of the things he talks to them about is how much they were loved by God, so first off, they, like us, are a people who are defined as being loved by God. How many of you know you 're loved by God? Uh, okay, l- listen to me, the enemy always wants to strip you of the security of knowing you 're loved. He wants to get you to go i 'm in i 'm out i 'm in i 'm out. He loves me today because I was good he 's not so loved with me today because i 'm bad. you don 't love your children that way, do you hmm. Okay, that explains some of your stuff. No no good parent takes their children in and out of love. No faithful parent takes their child in and out of a state of love. If you're taking your child in and out of a state of love, you're giving them conditional love, which is not a godly love. All right? Listen His love would define these people, that they were a people loved by God. You are a people loved by God. Moses was reminding this group of ex-slaves who they were. They were the beloved of God. They were the people of his affection. They were the people whom he had chosen to put his seal upon. He chose to love them. He desired to love them. They existed. Listen to me. They existed because of an act of love. All right? That's a fact of the matter. They existed. How many know today you exist because of an act of love. Don't make me get into a health class. You exist because you are the product of an act of love. Listen to what Deuteronomy 7, 7 says. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other people's for you were the fewest of the people, but it was because the Lord loved you. Okay? Listen to me. How many know he is the initiator? Peter talked about it. God is the initiator of the relationship. He's the initiator of love. That he loved you. You're marked and you're defined that you're loved by God. Here's the great thing about it. All right? God's love, here's what I love about God. His love for me actually becomes the thing that helps me overcome and define my past. If it wasn't for the love of God, how many know my past would be haunting me? My past would define me. Matter of fact, how many you know, if it wasn't for God's love, I wouldn't be able to get out of my past. You're saying, well, okay, some of you are already on the Eagles and the Patriots. Listen to me, God brought them out of the past. Out of their slavery, out of their misery, out of their sin. How many know it was their own sin that caused them to actually even end up there for a season? The fact of the matter is, God said what? Because I love them, because there are people defined by my love, I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to do it by my own power. I'm going to bring them out, and they're no longer going to be slaves because I love them. There are people defined by me. Listen, you have a past. You were a sinner. You were a slave. You were a slave to sin. And yet God said, I'm going to mark you by my love. I'm going to bring you out of that. You're redeemed because of it. You're redeemed because of his love. He loved you. Listen to me. He loved you when you weren't redeemed. He doesn't love you more today than in your unsaved, unconverted, unredeemed state. He loved you when you didn't love him. He loved you. His love would bring definition to your past, but it also would overcome the past. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. What was their past? It was a past of slavery, bondage, oppression, powerlessness. They couldn't deliver themselves. How many know you couldn't deliver yourself from your sin? You couldn't deliver yourself from slavery, right? That past was a past of powerlessness, inability. It was heartache. It was misery. It was oppression. His love, the Bible says, caused him to bring them out by his presence. Isn't it amazing? His love caused his presence among you. Love demands presence. Love demands presence. Don't tell me you love me and don't ever want to spend any time with me. I'm like, don't tell her you love her and don't want to spend any time with her, men. Love demands presence, does it not it Don't tell your kids you love them and don't spend any time with them. I mean come on I, we all know that love demands presence I mean I mean think about this Penny loves her dog so much she spends all of her time with it I made the profile picture for 11 hours <laughs> 11 hours I made the profile picture Next thing I know it's her and the dog <laughs> All I said to her was, I don't really like that picture of me very much. Next thing I know, I'm gone, the dog's in. <laughs> like, that's, that's, I mean, I'm, talk, I, I'm talking, it was within minutes. Like, it wasn't hours, like, oh, maybe I'll change it. No, no, no. It was within minutes. I don't really like that picture. Click, 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 going, boom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love the man's presence. What you love, you want in your presence. What you love, you give your presence. Come on. We're marked by the presence of God because of the love of God. That love of God caused him to want to be with his people. It caused him to build a tabernacle among them so he could be a part of them. They were a people marked by the love of God. You are a people marked and defined by the love of God whom he put his seal upon, who he put his Holy Spirit in, that he set free his presence within you. You're defined by the love of God. He made a promise, didn't he? God's promise caused him to be faithful to a people. His love caused him to be faithful. God's love caused him to stay faithful to them. But remember what Romans tells us in the New Testament. Paul said, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare die. But God demonstrates his love for this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Who are you? Who defines you? One of the things that defines you is that you're a people loved by God. There's no greater definition to our life than being known as loved by God. Loved by God. Is it, is it good, good father that says it's who I am? Loved by you, it's who I am, something like that, Troy, that song about God. All right? To everybody in this room, you're loved by God. You were loved by God from the foundation of earth. You were loved by God before you were even on the earth. You were loved by God from the moment you were on the earth. You were loved by God in your sinful state. You were loved by God in your unredeemed state. And you are loved by God today, no matter what you did yesterday. I think it's interesting when you read some of Paul's writings, when he wrote to the Romans, this is what he said. To all in Rome who are loved by God. How do you define them? To all in Rome who are loved by God. When he wrote to the Colossians, he said, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He said to the Thessalonians, brothers and sisters, loved by God. One of the defining marks of Paul's writings when he would write to those people was letting them know, this is who you are. You're a people defined by God's love. You're defined by the love of God. But here's another thing that would define this life of this people going into this promised land. This redeemed people taken out of Egypt. This redeemed people who were marked as people loved by God. But they would also be a people that would be defined as a people who love God. Listen to me. There is little worse in life than unreciprocated love. Think about that. When you love and it's not returned, how does it make you feel? I feel like Dr. Phil. How does it make you feel? Look to your neighbor and say, how does it make you feel? You guys are no fun today. Can you get in touch with your inner feel? <laughs> when your love isn't returned, when you give it and it isn't received, or you give it and it's not returned, The Bible tells me about an unloved married woman named Leah she loved her husband but her husband didn't love her because her husband loved her sister the Bible says that she was unloved an unloved married woman how many know that's an oxymoron how many that shouldn't be the Bible says the world can't bear a fool who becomes a king and one of the other things is an unloved married woman there are moms and dads out there who have loved their children but their children for some reason haven't reciprocated that love how's it make you feel mom and dad there are children out there who desperately want to love their parents. And for some reason, the parents aren't reciprocating that love. What would it be that would set these people apart going into this promised land? One, they were loved by God. But two, they were a people who loved God. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, he says, To love the Lord with all your heart, and with all your soul, and all your strength. This love relationship, that they were loved and that they would love, this love relationship would cause them then to obey his commands. This love relationship, this love for him, would then become the foundation of obedience. Love is the catalyst for obedience, not fear. Listen, how many of you parents try to fear a thing? If you do this, how'd that work? How'd that work, Mom? You're supposed to say, yes, it was great. right? Like, if you do this, you're going to get grounded. you're going to, whatever, I'm going to find a way to sneak around that. Right? Love has a total different motivation. Love is the catalyst for obedience. If obedience would lead them to success, love would lead them to, uh, I'm sorry, love would lead them to obedience. Love would lead them to faithfulness. Love would cause them to remain faithful to the one who is faithful to them. Love would define the relationship, not obedience, Let me talk to you about a woman in the New Testament. The woman in the New Testament is this woman that comes into the house of a Pharisee, a religious man. She comes in. She's a sinner. She's got a reputation. She's unclean. She's all that. She's the disdain of the religious community. And she comes in and she begins to wash the feet of Jesus. She begins to pour out. What she has. She's willing to risk it all. She comes into the presence of this this house where she wasn't even invited. And she comes in and she begins to put her hands on this man. And she came and she opened up this vile perfume. And she comes and she's weeping and she's crying and she's using her hands. And and he's like, oh, if he only knew who was touching him. It's amazing. And all of a sudden, Jesus made a testimony about her that 2,000 years later, we still talk about. And he said, what? For she has loved much. I've got to tell you, that is a testimony that I'm not so sure isn't greater than any other testimony can be made about us. Well, they gave a million dollars away, but didn't love. They, 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 they healed the sick, but didn't love me. They moved mountains. didn't love me, that Jesus gave a testimony that said she loved much. Could it be, and I believe it is, that one of the greatest testimonies that could come out of the mouth of Jesus is, she or he loved much. Don't you want Jesus to be able to say that about you? Not, not, Not they did this for me and not they did that for me. They loved me. They loved me. You know, I got to tell you something, moms and dads, when you get to the end of your life, the greatest thing your kids could say about you is they loved each other. Maybe they don't have mansions, and maybe they didn't have a mansion to leave. And maybe they didn't have cars and money to leave. But they left a legacy that said they loved much. They loved much. We focus on what we're doing, and we should focus on what we love. A people defined by love. It was interesting. I go back just a minute. I'm talking about her. I want to go back just a moment. When we talked about being a people marked as loved by God, a lot of you know who I'm going to talk about for just a minute. I'm going to mention a name. Some of you know who it is. Some of you don't. His name is Jedediah. Jedediah. Who was Jedediah? Solomon, King Solomon. King Solomon was that man born after the adulterous affair. David had an adulterous affair, had it with Bathsheba. Bathsheba has a baby. That child dies because what David had done was unholy and unlawful before God and unclean and all. It was an abomination to God. And, and that child died. And after that child died, he marries Bathsheba. And when they get married, then they have a son and they named him Solomon. Imagine being Solomon. You're born to that. You know the stories. You'll hear the stories someday. And God sends a prophet. And he says, you call him, you tell him his name is Jedidiah because I love him. The foundation of Solomon's life was not his wisdom. It was he was loved by God. You tell him I love him. You tell him I don't care what he was born into. You, don't care. you tell him I love him. Let a defining mark be he's loved by me. And I got to tell you something interesting. Some of the people in here today, your name is Jedediah. God loves you. No matter what the past was. A people loved by God. They would be a people marked with the love of God. They would be a people who are loved by God. And then... Yeah, that you'd be a people who'd be defined as a people who loved others. It's amazing. In this, in this portion of Scripture, in this Moses giving them instructions going into the promised land, he says, you remember, you're a people loved by God. And you remember, you're a people who love God. And oh, by the way, you make sure you love each other. Let I me mean, know it's easier to love God than people. right I mean, sometimes it's easier to love dogs than people hey <laughs> I admit it the dog's nicer than me a people who loved others think about this so Moses mentions a couple of these things and first of all let me let me say this the first thing I want to talk about is, is loving each other all right those that are in the same body, those in the same tribe, those in the same clan, those are the same people. You know, I mean, sometimes the longer you spend with somebody, sometimes the less you love them. Haha, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> right? Remember what Jesus says? Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, my children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I'm going to tell you. Where I'm going, you can't come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Hmm. Loving each other defines us as belonging to Jesus. (laughs) How can you have a, let me talk about a church for a moment, like this church right here. How can we be defined by people as belonging to Jesus if we can't love the people in this room? Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. I don't like that person. Can I just tell you, get over yourself. You ain't so likable some days either. (laughs) Right? I, I don't understand in the church realm where we say... That all of us were sinners, and yet we will hold some people's sins against them more than others. Where all of us say we need to be redeemed, and all of us say that we're covered by the blood, and yet somehow, some way, there can be at times actions that are unloving with each other. Where we don't love each other. And so, if we're going to be a people who are marked as being loved by God and loving God and then loving others, we've got to start in here, right? But then I want to talk about another group that Moses talked about. You see, okay, it's easy to love people that you might have something in common with and that's not so bad. But now I want to talk about this other group and I'm going to make it like this. I'm going to call them, we're going to love the nobodies. The nobodies right? Loving the nobodies defines us as his body. You saying, what's he talking about? Who are you calling people? You're calling people nobodies. Well, there are some people who consider other people to be nobodies in life, but that's really not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are those that have nobody to love them, those that have nobody to support them, those that have nobody to protect them, those that have nobody to help them, Moses tells them that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. That they were to love those who had nothing to give back. Listen to me. It's easy to love somebody that you deem might have something to bring back to you. But how many know it's, it's something else to love somebody who has nothing to offer you? He says, you love the orphan and you love the widow and you love those who have nobody to protect them and you love those that have nobody to support them and you love those who have nothing. You love them just because I love them. He defines them for them. The nobodies. Those who have nothing to give and those who are alone and those who are without protection and those among you who don't have anyone to love them. But then he says something else. I'm going to meddle for a moment on this one. He said, make sure you love the outsiders. While I can love the body of Christ, we all love Jesus. Let's go sing Kumbaya, hold hands and make s'mores. I'm not a real big fan of s'mores myself. I'd much rather cook a hot dog. But loving the outsiders. Moses says, and you're to love the foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Who are the foreigners among us today? And I'm not talking about immigration, and I'm not talking about immigration reform, although I believe we can pull some principles out of that with some of that. I'm not talking about people from other countries in our country. I'm not talking about illegal aliens or dreamers. I'm talking about those who are not part of the kingdom of God that you and I are part of. A people who do not know God. That's who Moses is talking about. A people who do not love God. A people who may not hold our values. A people who may not believe what we believe. A person who may have done vile and what we would call disgusting things. What should our response be to them? How should we deal with them? How do we deal with that person on the other side of the political aisle? Oh, I know how we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul wrote about this. Paul wrote about this: "Love is kind, unless you're a Democrat and I have Facebook. <laughs> Love is kind, unless they're a Republican. I'm a Democrat and I have Facebook. I, I'd like to think that there, there probably would be an exception clause if Paul lived today. Love is kind, unless you have social media. <laughs> Love is patience." Love is not rude. Unless it's a post on social media about somebody else. Yes, I am meddling big time. Listen to me. We have a world that has defined us as being hateful and bigoted. And we must not have actions that define us as hateful and bigoted. Take it for what it's worth. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I do not understand the mocking that comes from Christians. I do not understand the insults that come from Christians. I do not understand the ungodly behavior to deal with the ungodly. Why in the world are we being ungodly dealing with the ungodly? We're expecting the ungodly to act godly. They're not going to act godly until they see somebody acting godly towards them. I I just, this, this makes me crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I, 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 I'm sorry I'm sorry no stop it believers listen to me brothers and sisters call each other on it say stop you represent a kingdom not of this world you represent something higher than a political party you uh, you represent the kingdom of God We must be Daniel, who would serve a Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not saying we have to agree. Oh, but please hear me. Can we please, please, can we please show them what it is to be loved by people they don't agree with? They're the outsiders from our little Christian world. They're the outsiders from our little, and I love the church. But our actions have got to stop enforcing their definition. Our actions have to stop endorsing the definition they were trying to put on us. Like, I'm I, I just amazed. Okay, I'm really going to medal. Here we go.. <laughs> ah! I'm just amazed. I, I watched I, I watch the State of the Union. It's great entertainment. It's great entertainment. I watch it. And of course, they show. Okay. Well, if you watch this side, they're going to show this. If you watch this station, they're going to have this view. And if you watch this station, they're going to have this view. And you know, you know, you know how it is. So everybody's up in up and arm. They just, you know, Democrats. They just sat in their hands all night and they couldn't smile and they couldn't clap. Sounds familiar. Pretty sure I saw that about four or five years ago. From the other side of the aisle. But that's okay because we align better on that side of the aisle. No, it's not. So then, they come out with 47 Democratic responses to the State of the Union. (laughs) Couldn't resist that. I thought that was kind of funny. And so what do we do? Joe, Joe Kennedy comes out. So what do we do? Well, then we try to dig up as much dirt on Joe Kennedy as we can and post it on social media so that we can mock him and destroy him to bolster our position or our candidate. No, it's not godly. I know. Pastor, you shouldn't preach this stuff. I know. Pastor, you're just making me mad. Listen, the only time you can be ungodly is when you're dealing with the patriots, okay? I'm just telling you. Listen, all I'm saying is Moses looks at a group of people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, delivered by God, taken out of slavery. And he says to them, when you go into the land, remember, you're loved by God. And remember, you love God. But when you're in that land, you love each other. And you love the outsider. And you love the nobody." And all I'm saying to you today is simply this, that you and I are those people. We are those people who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are those people that have been marked by the love of God. We are those people who have been defined as, I am loved by God. We are those people that say, that say, we love God, Right? i was just making sure because the fact of the matter is you can't love your brother if you don't love God. That we love God. But we also have to be a people that are loving others inside the church, outside the church. The insiders, the outsiders, the somebodies, the nobodies. You say, what's love got to do with it? Everything. 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 It brings definition to who I am. I'm loved by God. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There are times where everybody in the world can hate you. You know what you can say? God loves me. That's what you do. Like Everybody hates you. Go... God loves me. (laughs) There's times and you, you can you 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 know that you're loved by him. And it brings definition to who you are, it brings definition to what you do. The why that the lady talked about. Let me tell you what our why is. Our why is I'm loved by God. Our why is I love God. Our why is we love people. It brings definition to what I do. It brings definition on how we do it. Can I disagree with somebody? You better believe it. Should I disagree with people on some issues? Yes. Let me come back and let me say that. Should we disagree? Yes. Are there times to disagree? Absolutely. But there is a manner on how to do it. And there is a way to do it. Does love bring definition to your life? What is it that brings definition to your life? What you do? Is it your job? Is it your business? Is it your name? Is it your money? Is it who you know? What is it that you've been looking at to define you? What defines what you do? What defines who you do it for? Here's what I want you to know today as believers, the redeemed. You're loved by God. Let that define you first and foremost. He loved you from the foundations of the world. You're an act of love. You were redeemed by love. You have a future defined by love. You're a people loved by God and you're a people who loves God. And because you're a people loved by God, And you're a people who love God. You're also defined as a people who love people, who love people just because they're people, not because I love them because they're white, not because I love them because they're black, not I love them because they're rich, not I love them because they're poor, not I love them because they're this or that. No, I love them because they're people. They got a pulse. If they got a pulse, love them. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, you know, but it is flu season, so don't touch your neighbor. All right? But I was going to say, reach across and see if the neighbor has a pulse. <laughs> Some of you, i really questioning that this morning. This is love, John said. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. And sent his son, son as a atony sacrifice for us. And dear friends... Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God. There is a world that has not seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Remember that people were. They were people going into the promised land among a heathen culture, polytheistic community a, a land pagan gods being worshiped systemic evil had taken root in that land and god takes a people he redeems by the blood i'm going to send you in there you're going to love me i'm going to love you you're going to love them come on that just sounds like a message right you want to transform a city be loved by god love him and guess what love them What is it that brings definition to your life? It's the love of God. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. And so today, I just want to close with simply saying, are you defined by love? What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. We're going to look at that this week. This month. Yeah, this week. Don't worry. I only got one sermon for you this week. This month we're gonna look at it. How does it impact our relationships? I, I I got a message I might preach, I might call it this loving the Hatfields and the McCoys. <laughs> loving the Hatfields and the McCoys. How many know if we're a Hatfield it's easy to love the Hatfields, but how many of those McCoys? <laughs> I'm gonna pray. Come on, Troy. I'm gonna pray, but this one listen, listen. I want you to catch the essence of this. We live in a day and age of polarization like no other age before. We're being polarized by political parties, by race, denominations. I mean, you got denominations attacking denominations. You got political parties attacking political parties. And and everybody's being put in a box. Well, we're going to be put in a box. Let that box be defined by God's love. If we're going to be defined, let's be defined by lovers of God. If we're going to be defined, let it be in a box that says we love people. George, you're going to come up and. Father, we, we love you. And, and Father, we want to be a people marked today. We want to be defined. We want our life to have definition that comes from knowing you love us. We want our life to have definition that comes from us loving you. Father, we want our life to be defined as loving others. The ins, the outs. The ups, the downs. The somebodies, the nobodies. The insiders, the outsiders. The left, the right. May all that we do and all that we say and all that we are be defined by love because it's got everything to do with it. In Jesus' name, amen.